Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Woo. PDF Pen from Smile. Woo. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I am here today, of course, with Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate for Microsoft. Welcome back. Super happy to be back. Um, uh, And also, like, note to my future self, because I'm going to be doing this, but hopefully never with this velocity again. Like, going between three countries in in 14 days, not not awesome. I mean, great. But, like, when you get back home, it's, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, the jet lag is real. Also, huge thank you to Jeff Wong, who filled in for two weeks in a row while Christina was off gallivanting with the rest of the jet set. Jeff was Christina Methadone, basically. (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't quite get us high, but he he kept us safe while we were withdrawing from Christina. (laughs) (laughs) That's so much to process. That's that's really good. That's really good. So y'all, I got a 3D printer. I got I got my husband a 3D printer and it is so awesome. I can't believe I didn't buy one of these earlier. And Christina, like you've had bad experiences with oh, yes. these. I I have not once I figured everything out. It's it's awesome. And I'm printing out all kinds of dinosaur skulls for my husband. Oh my god. This thing is awesome. It's just a dinosaur skull factory at the Woo House right now. I, so. I mean, you're an engineer, so like troubleshooting a 3D printer and figuring out, I don't know, discrepancies in your models, that's probably fun for you, right? Like that's what you yeah. do. This yeah. is your it's a fun, lot more fun than afternoon. fundraiser. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I mean, it, it, the only thing I will say, and and you know, the one you're using, I don't know who makes it. They might do things a little bit differently. Um, when I was having the battle with the with the MakerBot um, at Mashable, there were a few things. One, the filament got bent and was weird, and like that was a problem because we didn't know until it was really far into the build process, and and that and it was you know happening overnight, and that sucked. But the big thing was I remember trying to update the firmware. And also trying to transfer a file from like the computer to the printer was not like easy. <laughs> like we ha- like 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 this the SD card had to be formatted in XFAT. It could yep. be like formatted in any other way. And then like I had to use weird programs to get the Mac to work. It was just a whole convoluted thing. But yeah. I do assume that if you have that under control. They're fun. You just, you know, you want to make sure your filament doesn't get bent and and that you have computers that can load those things correctly. Make sure your filament doesn't get bent. Moral of the story. I also have a $4,000 copy of Maya sitting around, which is something most people don't have, and I know right. how to use it. And that's a huge advantage for using this properly and getting different things to print right. But uh, overall, like I got the, uh, just so Rocket listeners know, like whenever I buy something uh, that's tech and I'm not familiar with it, I go to the wire cutter and I get their top recommendation. And I got the Lulzbot Mini 2. Uh, it's like the <laughs> most uh, reliable. I know it's a dumb name. But it's a good printer. It's very reliable. And uh, I'm just, I'm really astonished with how much fun I'm having with it. It's really cute looking. Yeah. It is really cute. Yeah. Well, well, let's get to some tech news. So we have actually, I think, a a perfect rocket for you today, listeners. We're going to be talking about (laughs) Apple's iPhone sales. And then we're going to be talking about YouTube algorithms and how they can ruin the life of your child and yourself. (laughs) And then we have sort of a, a, a flight of desserts, sort of a 
a, yeah. a platter, if you will. It is. It's, 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 it's a really nice, like, holiday, like, getting ready for the holidays. Like, yeah, many like varieties of, Christmas. of cookies. And one yeah, of those exactly. cookies Love- is Taylor Swift's use of facial recognition at her concerts, mm-hmm. uh, which we yes. have a lot to say about. But first things first, let's talk about Apple, as we so often do. So our favorite analyst, Ming-Chi Kuo, uh, has reduced his sales projection for Apple's Q1 2019 sales, I can say numbers, by 20%, basically because the demand for the iPhone XR, the greatest named phone in Apple history, (laughs) uh, nobody wants it. Not as many people want it as they thought would want it. And Apple has been, Apple has, first of all, they're not reporting iPhone sales with their Mm -mm. quarterly earnings anymore, but they're also saying that the the earnings will basically be made up by the higher price of the iPhones and also by software sales and things like that. Uh, Popular consensus is that that is not true. Right. I mean, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, they're also more expensive, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, like, how much this is hidden, if that makes any sense. Yes, yes. I mean, the, it seems odd to I, – I, actually, I, I have not, like, physically looked at Apple's earnings before, but it seems like that could be easily reverse-engineered, right, if you're no. seeing – okay. No, because they will put it all into buckets. So because people have ah. tried to do that before. Because So what will happen is that they, will, they won't say, you know – um, you know, iPhone sales were this. I mean, they might, they could put, but they could put iPhone and iPad together, for instance. Okay. Um, and if they do that, then you have a wide variety of prices, right? So you could have, because you really, at that point, you're going all the way from like, they're still selling the iPhone 7 all the way up to the 10s Max. If iPad is included in there too, which it may or may not be, I don't know how they'll calculate it, then you have other SKUs as well. And so if you anticipate the mix, some people could maybe figure that out, but also, then, I mean, I think you've got to figure out, like, are, are, are you judging based on, like, U.S. dollars? Are you judging based on, like, international, like, dollars? Um, it's a lot harder to, to do that than you would think just because they, at this point, sell so many different SKUs. Yeah. yeah. Um, this That's is one also of the reasons by why- design. That's also by design to keep it, like, very it's confusing because it could it could affect Apple's stock price. So well, you yeah. Know, I mean, that's... I mean, well, they they used to break it out, right? And yep. and it it and they broke it out for because it, it didn't hurt them not to, and and they really liked I think having the numbers. We sold this many million phones, right? Right. Uh, what, what's obviously happened is that that number has plateaued, and that's not because the iPhone isn't good. The iPhone's great. It's just we're reaching smartphone saturation. Phone fatigue. People, yeah. Right. Well, it, you know, but also people keep phones longer, right? So it's a couple things. It's like everybody has a smartphone and then you used to upgrade it every other year and now maybe it's every three years or or whatever. So, you know, and, and if, if you're Apple, you don't want to show a declining trend if people are going to be basing their investment decisions mm-hmm. on stuff that might not actually be material to your company, right? Like if you're if you're if your revenue numbers are going up or they're staying the same. Who cares if you're selling more or less phones? I mean, that's one argument. I mean, so they're redirecting I, where, like a magician does, but not in a shady way. Redirecting where people are looking to the results, yeah, totally, that, which are yeah. real results, like their revenue right. is a real result. 
Right. I mean, and I mean, you know, and, and, and they might talk about gross margin and that sort of thing. It also gives them a little more wiggle room, you know, to do other stuff. And for instance, and, and again, like I said, they've been doing this with devices in their other category for years. So they never have broken out Apple TV numbers. And part of the thought was that with that was if Apple TV became like a material part of the business, then they would tell us how many they're selling. But they didn't. Um, I, I think at one point when they reached a certain threshold, they did. But it wasn't ever broken out in, in a quarterly basis. And the Apple Watch has never been broken out on a quarterly basis, even though the Apple Watch is a huge hit. Um, and, and by their own, they claim that it's the number one selling watch in the world. And I have no reason to doubt that. So the, the Apple Watch is a huge hit, but they still don't break out the numbers. They keep it in this 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 amalgamated like other category that includes a number of other things. Um, so yeah, I mean, so it makes it hard to figure out like what the trends are. And and also, you know, as I just said, like, it doesn't necessarily mean just because they're selling less phones that that's a bad thing, because that could mean a lot of different things. The the thing is, though, I think like long term, what you have to kind of look at is what do margins stay at and can they keep the revenue numbers consistent or growing? And, you know, if if investors are looking at wanting to see growth, that might be more difficult. Um, I don't know, though. So, so, I mean... Right. I mean, but let's let's be honest. Let's 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 look at this overall. I mean, I I the the core of the story is a reputable reporter came out mm-hmm. about sales, and it certainly looks like this is the yeah. first version of iPhone that isn't uh, it isn't doing as well as some of the other yeah. phones that they've that they've sold. And Definitely, I think that's completely fair. This is yeah. the first phone I ever sat out. I'm not upgrading. Uh, I've no like. I have no bad feelings towards Apple about that. They just no. didn't make something that was worth it this year. So yeah, no, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I think that the 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 ten R story has been interesting because in some ways people have been trying to kind of say, oh, the stories are false. So not just you know um, uh, Ming Show, but there have been a lot of reports. So there was the Wall Street Journal. There were some things in Bloomberg. There have been a lot of supply chain kind of uh, rumors, and those things can always be tricky because just because Apple makes a different bet on certain supplies doesn't necessarily indicate sales. But, you know, from the very beginning, it has seemed like demand for the 10R has been softer than maybe was anticipated. And what was interesting is then Apple went on the offensive, which they don't do very often, where uh, Greg Joswiak spoke with uh, CNET and said, you know, it's been our best-selling phone in, in some sort of period, you know, and, huh. and and really try to kind of dispel the notion that the phone wasn't selling well. But the thing is, if you parse the statement, and I'm not, you know, this is what this is what a good PR machine does, make no mistake, this is really smart, and it might be completely accurate. Like, there's a way where you can say things that are completely true. Like, both things could be true, right? Like, it could be selling well, it could be the best-selling, but it still might not be selling as well as that they were hoping. Sure. Um, the last mm-hmm. time Apple had a had a phone that that you know by all accounts was not like a big hit was with the iPhone 5C. But what happened there? God's perfect you know, phone, right? But that phone was just a rebadged iPhone 5, but with colors. But you still had the iPhone 5S, which you know brought Touch ID and 64 bit, and that sold really well. the The problem here, if these reports are are accurate, is that the 10R has been positioned. Granted, it's more expensive, which I think is part of the problem, but it's been positioned as being like the everyman iPhone. Like this is supposed to be the phone you get, and so if demand on that is soft, that that's not great, right? And and then to your point, Bree, like you have people. I think last year was such a great year. The the iPhone 8s were great, but also the iPhone 10 was such a great device. 
that even though I have the 10s Max, there's really not a huge gulf between them. And I think most anybody who has the 10, unless you're you're on a upgrade plan or you're dumb like me, there's no reason you need to upgrade. And so, and the software still hasn't even caught up with like what the 10 can do. So you're kind of at this point where it's like, you know, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, like people wait longer and longer to upgrade their phones. Yeah. And it seems like they've kind of split, like the everyman phone is quite expensive and the 10 10 S is quite expensive. It seems like they've kind of, They've tried to keep with the the same cycle that they've been doing, which has been working, but they accidentally sort of pushed these both these phones in not accidentally, I should say. Obviously they're doing everything intentionally. They've pushed these phones into this upper echelon of pricing that people just can't keep up with because yeah. we all have perfectly fine phones that right. don't need upgrading right now because we're coming off this one year cycle. So I guess my question is at what point do do, do companies stop the one-year upgrade cycle because it's just not necessary anymore. Well, I think Apple will always keep a one-year upgrade cycle because the sizzle is what sells the steak all across the Apple line, Mm-mm-mm. right? Like, yeah, you've got to, you've got to have that. Um, but I do think this is a real problem for Apple because I think it's like you said, Simone, they've come to a point where they kind of pulled a, ma- a tr- rabbit out of the hat with 3D Touch. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to make that the big S upgrade cycle. I would argue uh, 32-bit and uh, Touch ID, that was an, a worthy S upgrade. Um, you know, when you came to the Plus, that was kind of a worthy you know, like S-year upgrade. But this is the year they really just don't have anything to sell. And they put all of their Apple magic behind it. So I think it's two things. I think the the high-end users like Christina and I, I think they didn't give us a reason to buy it. And I think it's priced so high that people mm-hmm. um, that are more price sensitive, I, I think they're looking at this and going, what the frack? I know yeah. so many people that loved the iPhone C. Uh, yeah. They love the colors of it and... You know, they just thought it was a fun phone. They liked the fact that it was a little bit cheaper because it was, you could throw it in a purse and not stress about it. I know so many people that love that phone, but yet you have the iPhone XR, which is priced at such a higher point. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not, it, it, it's just not meeting either need, basically. And we have, of course, the biggest problem with the 10R, which is that it has a crappy name. And I think, yeah, no, the name is terrible. <laughs> the name is terrible. No, but, but I, but I think the prices, I mean, is an issue because it is more expensive than the previous year's plus model. And that's yeah. a problem, right? Yeah. Like, yep. Because no matter what you're bringing to the table, like I don't care if you're saying, oh, but you have Face ID and you have this great camera and you have this great processor. Awesome. Great. Love it. Here's the thing. I don't care because last year, the phone that you were selling in its place cost less money. So you giving me these extra things, awesome, but also I don't care. You know, you're, you're, you're making me, I used to spend this much for a new phone every two years. And now you're saying I have to spend more, um, you know, and that, that's a hard sell. I also feel like, um, you know, because even though it's, it, it's a great upgrade, for a lot of people, if you are on like a seven, for instance, or or you know an eight, if your apps are still working, if everything's still doing well, like you don't have the same inclination. Like we're we're at this point now where you know yeah the processors are getting super fast and the phone and the cameras are getting really good, but like you said, Bree, like you kind of don't have those standout features. I mean, Face ID is one of those features, but I think it that, came in a key year, right? Not an yeah, S year. Yeah. It, it, well, right. But 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 what I mean though is now 
it's available for the masses, you know, people could get it with the 10R, but I still feel like the way it's priced, you know, I don't know. I almost feel like it's also at a point where if you're if you're going to be willing to spend the 750 for the 10R, you might be able to be convinced, you know, over a payment plan to spend another $10 a month and get a 10S. So, you know, it, it just pricing is weird. So and they are doing some, you know, things right now where you can if you trade in a seven or higher and spend four hundred dollars or whatever, you can get a ten R. They're they're really trying to push this thing, and and um, I hope that it works. But it, it now, does Christina, appear. You know that that's a forty percent discount that Steve Jobs would hate, and you should be okay, ashamed I of wanna, yourself. I want to talk about this story because I'm angry about this story. Yeah, so so <laughs> okay, so so this story when I was on Twitter, I started seeing a bunch of people saying like Apple is begging people to buy the iPhone XR because it's failed so badly and Apple's out there c- deeply cutting discounts for this and putting out ads they'd never do. And I go, that doesn't really sound like Apple. And then you look into what they're actually doing and they're talking about a fracking recycling program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're talking about a recycling program as part of Apple's like commitment to recycling technology, which we don't talk about on this show, but should, because they are really pushing the limit with like getting like, do you guys realize that we are at a point from a national security perspective where some of the the parts that go in an iPhone used in semiconductors, like the rare earth elements, mm-hmm. that's something America has and other nations want. And it's right. awesome that like Apple is going, oh, instead of just throwing this into the ground where it will like seep into the water and destroy everything, maybe we should like do something with it because it's valuable. So right. they're they're putting a program in place to resalvage parts of the phone that make sense, that they can repair other iPhones with, that they can do all this awesome stuff also, with. Also, it lets yeah. them sell their own used phones for a right. massive margin. Like, right. let's, like, like, the whole thing of this is that if you trade in your phone, they will refurbish it and sell it for more money sure. than, than they pay you and then give you a discount that is less than what they will sell the new phone for. Like, it's They're going to fix all of your them. mistakes and you pay for a new phone, my friends. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I'm not disputing that the the numbers by 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 all the reporting. I don't. You know, look. I don't know what the real story is. It definitely appears that the phone isn't selling to expectations. That doesn't mean it's selling poorly, but it definitely appears that it's not selling to expectations. But they're not doing like it's not like they're they're. Yeah, I can't a go to Apple dot com and buy a discounted iPhone. No, like that's not. <laughs> But everything I've seen about it has been making it sound like I can go to Apple and I'm going to where I'm going to just slice 40 percent off of that sales tag for the iPhone 10R. And I walk out with no, I don't even have it. <laughs> no, you're going to have tiny Tim that's going to be at the Apple store working. It's going to be like, please, Simone, can you buy, buy an iPhone please. so I can I make rent? And, right. Please. <laughs> right. No, I'm so, it, hungry. So, so the article we're talking about, there's like this ink article and it's like, oh, oh. You, Simone, you, Simone, you were really mad about this on, on our Facebook group. I'm uh, so talk about annoyed. this. It's so the article is called why Apple's 40% iPhone price cut is a terrible strategy. Which I think we can all agree is a terrible headline that the the author may not have been responsible for because sometimes social media teams are responsible for headlines. But first off, that's a wrong headline. Secondly, the bulk of the article is not about that. It's about kind of what we've been talking about with 
how the the ten R has been having disappointing sales, and then there's a little bit about um, the the discount that they're offering, not discount, rather the trade in program for the iPhone Seven, where you can trade it in and spend four hundred forty nine beautiful dollars um, for your new iPhone ten R. So my main problem with this whole article is that it kind of the, it it's written to position the discount as the problem when the discount is the response and by discount I keep calling it a discount the trade in program is a response to the problem which is the low selling iPhone so it's kind of like this weird bait and switch where it's acting as if Apple has no reason to offer the iPhone 10R that wonderful phone for only $449. How could they do this when like clearly this is a response that you may or may not agree with to a genuine problem which is the low phone sales. And the cherry on the Sunday of my annoyance is that it closes with that beautiful chestnut. If Steve Jobs could see Apple now, I think he would be sorely disappointed <gasps> that it has been unable to come up with a new groundbreaking hardware device that would create a large new profit stream. And Christina has a, a, one very good reason why that's annoying. Yeah. I have another reason, which is just that, like, it is that, 2018. That exactly. I think we've passed the window where we can say, I he's know how Steve Jobs for, would feel about this. Yeah, he's been gone for what, like, seven, eight years, like eight years. Yeah. Like, no, seven years, seven years. He's been gone for seven years. Rest in peace, Steve. But like, come on. You know Just what I mean? Just leave Steve Jobs' corpse out of this. Exactly. Right? It's but really also, gross. It's really, it gross. really gross. But also speaking of, of Steve Jobs, so Steve Jobs, you know, mastermind that he was, dropped the price of the original iPhone $200, 60 days, 60 days after it came out. Not only that, but got rid of the four gigabyte model. So they, originally when the iPhone came out, there was a four gigabyte model. And then for $100 more, you could get an eight gigabyte model. And very quickly, even without apps, people were like, four gigabytes is not enough. And so he dropped that model and then dropped the price $200. Now, people were understandably incensed because if you spent you know, $800 or whatever it was for an iPhone in June, and then two months later, it's $200 less, I would be mad. So... In fairness, Apple did the right thing where they gave everybody who bought it before that date like $100 iTunes gift card or something or $100 Apple gift card. So, you know, they, they made it right, in my opinion. And if you were within the 14-day period or whatever, like you could have gotten, you know, price match, whatever. So, like, they made it right, but he lowered the price. And as I recall... Because I remember when the when this was still coming up, I like looked back and I like, found like the archive on Apple's website. Um, it's not up anymore, but like it's in you know Internet Archive or whatever, where he even like wrote like a letter, basically to people, kind of being like, "This is why we lower the price," and basically saying, you know, technology you know moves fast and prices drop and whatnot, and and it was fine. Like there was there was some outrage for a second, and then it was gone. And I think he was also announcing, "Oh, and by the way, we've already sold a million of these things or whatever," mm-hmm. and. And and so, yeah, he dropped the price within 60 days by a significant amount, not a trade-in, an actual price drop. Yeah. And that was at the beginning of the iPhone's life cycle. Now, I think these are different situations, right? Like, I think that when Steve Jobs did that, I think that two things. One, it probably helped accelerate sales to a certain degree, um, especially keep in mind that the iPhone was only available on one carrier and one country at the time. 
And it was a little bit of a different situation. Maybe they they hadn't had the pricing right. Maybe they got better, you know, supply things. Who knows? Whereas now, you know, it's an established product. So when you have a price drop, it looks a little bit different, right? Like it, it has a different connotation and and and, it, and it's not something you can kind of spin as, oh, this is ultimately, you know, a good thing. Like this is maybe showing whether it's a trade-in or what. You're saying, oh, there's some issues. But don't, don't, don't bring Steve Jobs' name into this. If you don't know Steve Jobs' history is all I'm saying. Like, yep. like you know what I mean? Nope. Like, do not do, do 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 not bring Stephen P. Jobs into this conversation unless you actually know like all the things that Stephen P. Jobs has done. Because a lot of the things that you say Steve would never, oh, Steve did. You know, he just the yep. reality distortion field has just maybe made you forget about that. But he did and he 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 would do it again. Like yep. come on. No, I think that's well said. I mean, basically, both things are true here. Some of the people rooting for iPhone XR and for this gen of iPhone to fail. You got to say 10R. Or whatever it is. Sorry. Sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm tired. Uh, no, I mean, it's a lot of this critique is unfair. And that's true. It's also true that maybe this iPhone has not made expectations. You know, the world is still going to be fine. Apple is going to be <laughs> fine. I saw one study that said they could just like not sell a single thing and keep Apple going for like 50 years with like current expenses. They've got so much money. So it's mm-hmm. all wow. going to be fine, everybody. And they're giving all that money to Christina. As part of the money <laughs> for Christina program, a Christina gets yes. a raise program that uh, we are putting before the Massachusetts State Congress in 2020. Hey, <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Pingdom. Hey, while well, you've been enjoying listening to the dulcet tones of the podcast Rocket, which comes to you weekly from Relay FM, how would you know if your website had gone down or not? What if you were listening to my beautiful voice speaking to you about the grave of Steve Jobs and your customers, meanwhile, unaware, couldn't click that buy now button or access your content? That would be awful. When would you learn about it? You might stumble across the problem by luck after losing thousands of dollars of sales of your content. Luck is no good to you these days. You need a system. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way works best for you. Oh, they're smart, too. (laughs) They'll get the information needed to solve the issue sent to whoever needs it. That could be one person. Or it could be your entire team. Your choice! They are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. How many minutes has it been since I started this sponsored content read? Your site (laughs) was checked! Certainly! In that time, all Pingdom needs is your URL 
and they take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last person to know when something on your site is broken and a failure. Start monitoring the site today. Go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now for a 14 day 14 14 day free trial with no credit card required and then at the end of those 14 free days when you sign up use the offer code rocket at checkout to get an awesome 30 percent off of your first invoice that is again p i n g d o m dot com slash relay fm and the offer code rocket at checkout. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and relay fm. <sighs> well, I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, let's now. talk about something really dark and depressing. Let's talk about the radicalization of children online. Oh, great. It's my favorite topic. Mine, too. <laughs> Mine, too. Uh, uh, children and also old people. Like, these articles are specifically about uh, about children, but um, I think we can add Alice Walker to this list, too. So uh, it, it, it's, it's the elderly and it's the kids. That's a very good point. So there was a fantastic piece in the, a piece in the Daily Beast that everyone should take a look at about YouTube's algorithm and how it basically gently funnels people into ideological tunnels <laughs> um, towards the alt-right, where once you start consuming one kind of content, it keeps feeding you more and more of that content because it's like, oh, this is more more time on our platform. That's great. The great thing about this piece is that they actually talked to one of the people who developed the algorithm, um, who at this point is see- seeing and acknowledging these problems that it has. Um, and this is something that we have addressed on the show before. And it's also something that I think my our occasional guest and current roommate, Julia Alexander, has talked about, uh, especially in light of PewDiePie's latest oh, uh, mistake, mistake, mm. which you might have heard of, but I'll cover it briefly, where as part of um, his his channel promotion, he promoted... Another channel, uh, which he probably did not realize because he did not do due diligence, was filled with just hateful, hateful, hateful content. Um, He promoted this to his however many millions of subscribers. And that's the kind of the kind of thing, uh, the kind of situation where this algorithm becomes dangerous because you can start off by consuming something that you see as safe or your kids or your grandparent uh, can start off by consuming something that they see as safe that they don't see as extremist at all but because of associations and because of the ways that people on the alt-right cleverly use keywords to get their videos to show up in related videos you can kind of find yourself on a slippery slope into video hell which might not be a big deal if you are say doing research on these groups to find out what they're thinking, but might be a big deal if you are, say, a teenager who is discovering your identity online, or if you are a confused elderly person. Why did you bring up the confused elderly people, Christina? I don't know how to because talk about Alice them. Because Walker has been radicalized, and it's I know, not it's great. I know, it's terrible. I mean, that's what so, so many people talk about that with um, Fox News, making their, making elderly family members, like, 
confused and paranoid. I don't even think I don't even think it's elderly. I mean, I think that you could say younger people like who aren't teenagers or like young adults who could do this, too. I mean, talk radio did the same thing. It's it's really interesting. Like I had a very in-depth conversation about this topic with Anil Dash um, when he was uh, um, at Microsoft earlier um, in the summer. And, um, you know, to me, it was kind of one of those weird things where I think a lot of us thought that some of the radicalization and the kind of maybe some of the mind, you know, the ways people's, you know, personas and things have shifted that, you know, post talk radio wouldn't really happen again. And what we've seen is that like it does, but it's YouTube, except now there's an algorithm where, you know, talk radio, okay, if you're in the car for long periods of time, like that might get in steep into your brain and like make you start thinking different things and considering different things. But like YouTube is like you watch one video. And then the next one comes up. And I even know for the weird stuff that I watch, I get recommended all kinds of terrible things. And I, you know, I'm obviously not moved, but I can totally see how even smart, like well-thinking people who think that they're independent thinkers who are not like kids who are more impressionable and, and can have their whole worldviews changed more easily – Mm-hmm. I can totally see how people get sucked down those rabbit holes because if you watch enough of this stuff, some of it starts to make sense and you have to kind of step back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, let's let's take a step back and break this down because the, the article is starting talking about like a young kid that basically starts uh, watching videos for Call of Duty tutorials. Like he's just mm-hmm. a gamer. He ends up falling kind of into Gamergate. It, uh, you know, it goes wider. He finds like... Uh, the atheist community on YouTube has a really anti-feminist uh, component to it. And sooner rather than later, he's sitting there going, oh my God, I'm at the premiere of a men's rights movie and I'm talking to an actual neo-Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> like something something is wrong with this picture. Um, I want to say for me, um, I think a lot about where, to use the Steve Jobs euphemism, where the puck is heading uh, with kind of the radicalization of people online. And I fully support like when people are going after Tucker, Tucker Carlson's uh, viewers for his comments on immigrants calling them dirty. Uh, I really support going after those advertisers. That's a fair consequence for that statement. But I feel like far too much of the left's effort uh, is paid to Fox News, which has to comply with FEC stuff, which mm-hmm. does have these kind of watchdogs. The real game, I feel, is on YouTube, which we're not even talking about. Yep. Um, the stuff I watch on YouTube is car videos and video game stuff. Like Those are two pretty male-dominated hobbies. Mm-hmm. And I am stunned with how often I'm presented with a horrifically sexist Joe Rogan video or Jordan Peterson or, you know, like all these, and and those are even like just kind of just low level sexist in a way they'll never be able to understand. But then like you start clicking other videos and it gets you into this, this really dark place that is absolutely radicalizing children. And I I just want to say one more thing. Something I learned from Gamergate is there, and I'm not going to name their names on the show, but there are people out there that have done very, very well uh, on Patreon, basically producing content going after women. And there's every single financial incentive for them to say the most horrible things about us Mm -hmm. and make the most extreme claims because that gets the click. People click on dirt. People want to Mm -hmm. see what the most extreme of any argument is. And something I personally find offensive is 
that you've got people out there, they're making money off me and other women in the public spotlight, basically denigrating us and tearing us apart for clickbait. Mm -hmm. And YouTube is monetizing that model and using it to pay for other things. That is very problematic for me. Yeah. And (laughs) as uh, the engineer Guillaume Chalot says in this article, they proposed, uh, like, there's 300 million hours of content uploaded to YouTube every day. And they thought about, you know, banning people who do hateful things, but that there's no possible way that that could work. It's not a a long-run solution to this enormous fountain of a problem. It's the algorithm that is really... The algorithm is making this sort of map for people to to become extremists in their views, and that's the problem. No, totally. And I mean, and part of the issue, too, is, I mean, the algorithm, like, is, I mean, it's feeding itself, right? Because it started recommending things because that's what other things were. And then people watch the recommendations and and that feeds it even more, you know? Like, and before you know it, like, you thought you were watching, like, a, a, a Call of Duty you know, like tutorial, <laughs> tutorial you know, like, right. like, like, or, or gameplay videos. And the next thing you know, like, I mean, I, this happens to me. I get recommended stuff like, I think there are only two genders. Tell me I'm wrong. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, first of all, like, no, but, you know, it's construct this and that and whatnot. But like, you know, it's like, why am I getting recommended this stuff? I mean, it's just my, my YouTube um, recommendations and my Spotify recommendations are basically constantly having a battle for like who's weirder. I'm like, what's the more bizarre things that I get? And it's like, because I get a lot of like, yeah, I just get a lot of weird stuff. I mixed amongst like tech, like like hardcore, like 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 programming tutorials. Then I have like YouTube drama stuff, and then I have like YouTube makeup drama stuff, and then I have like weird video game drama stuff, and then I have like movie stuff, and then I have like just weird stuff. I don't even know. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> why couldn't it just be the makeup drama? The, uh, why yes. YouTube? You know, yeah, totally. you should know what we want by now. The makeup drama is, I mean, of all of YouTube drama, I think makeup drama is, is like, the best. Mm-hmm. But to <laughs> go back to what you were saying, Bree, about um, people basically making money off of denigrating other people, I feel like this is why, for me, deplatforming is really the only... Uh, aside, granted that, like, the algorithm is the problem here, but when it comes to specific individuals, deplatforming them is really the only potential thing that could could keep them from harming people online with their ridiculous views but like what can youtube do at this point to fix this algorithm that is the larger problem well i just want to say something i feel like western society is really grappling with right now in a way we barely have language to even talk about is disinformation Right. Yeah. Disinformation is the number one problem when it comes to news consumption uh, right now. It makes it so liberals and conservatives can't even agree on a common set of facts. And it makes us, we can't come together to solve problems. And we've got a hell of a lot of problems. And yeah, let's be clear, like this does also happen on uh, the 
on the left as well. There's a person I know I consider a friend that's really deep into our revolution and he is posting, we call him fake news Warren because, <laughs> you know, he, he is posting like stuff from these extremist Facebook groups that's not fact checked. It just bears no relation to reality, no. but it feels good. It feels like it should be real, right? Oh God. You know, but it's, it's definitely more of a problem on the right. I think we would all agree. Um, so when you're talking about how does YouTube address this, we've got to come to grips with the fact that, yes, free speech is very, very important. Um, but at the same time, we're dealing with the disinformation problem, the likes of which this country has never seen, not even at like the height of yellow journalism in the Hirsch era. Um, so we've got to have real conversations about this that are more nuanced than free speech, good, deep platforming, <laughs> bad, right? Yeah. So if YouTube is going to be operating in the United States, um, as the United States, we have every right to make sure it's acting in the best interest. So what I would encourage everyone at Google to do is you need to be a good citizen. I realize these solutions are complex and it's going to be expensive to solve, but you need to be much more proactive in curating your own platform. You need to do a better job at identifying this kind of extremist videos and kind of stop feeding them into the algorithm. Um, I know this is going to take a lot of money to fix. It's certainly taken Twitter a lot of money to kind of get a handle on, a, you know, its harassment problem. But it's made the platform better. And YouTube's long-term viability is going to depend on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit. I don't Please, know. go ahead. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I feel like, because it's not like a, a pure free speech issue because, you know, obviously no one has a right to use YouTube. But at the same time, I do have issues with with some of the deplatforming stuff. I think that if you're if you're if you're getting into areas that are violating certain laws, if you're going in above and beyond like certain harassment things, yeah, I'm all for it. And, and obviously any company has the right to kick people off their platform if they want to. But it also kind of I, I think can kind of create a, a slippery slope where then we're we're having ISPs, you know, like make determinations about what content. I mean, if it's not, you know, we're, you know, like blatantly illegal, you know, you can or, or, or can't do. And I have some issues with that. I think my, th so I, I don't even think like the algorithm, I think YouTube should just stop relying on the algorithm as much. I mean, I think that a very simple thing is to, you know, is anybody there actually looking at their trending pages? Is anybody looking at some of their most common keywords that they're <laughs> looking at certain things? And what are they doing where they're actively promoting certain brands, certain people that have, maybe destructive things and maybe reinforcing stuff. I think that in a lot of ways, what's actually already kind of worked in some ways to disincentivize some of the stuff, not all of it, obviously, has been the the so-called adpocalypse. And we're going to talk about PewDiePie a little bit later in the show. But I mean, one of the, the big things that happened when the Wall Street Journal article about some of his content came out was that advertisers were the ones who were like, hold up, we don't want our, 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 our content associated with these videos. And because YouTube, for the most part, runs an automated ad platform where, you know, only very specific brands can get specific deals, they are tightening up very much so, you know, what content can be advertised on and what can't. And so part of me almost wonders, okay, is, is the solution make it less easy for people to profit off of this sort of mm. stuff. Like don't don't ban the content, but make it less 
so, you know, make it harder for people to actually be able to profit off of it because that's been the real impetus. Like, and if that's happening, if people aren't making money off of it, they won't make it anymore. Um, I think that whichever solution works will be the one or whichever solution they go with will be the one that doesn't affect YouTube's bottom line as much because as they (laughs) point out in this article, they make I mean, this is designed to keep people watching YouTube videos and YouTube makes money off of people watching more videos. No, they definitely do. Well, well, they do. But also if YouTube can't sell ads on those videos. Yes. Then they are screwed. Well, right. But also that, I mean, the way that YouTube's algo works from the way we've tried to reverse engineer things as much as we can at, at, you know, my, my day job. And, and obviously we're a small channel and, and we don't have money. And like, we barely, like it took us months to get approved as a partner, even though we more than met the requirements, like, you know, it's a whole thing, but we don't have advertisements on our videos. And as a result, we don't get recommended. And so we've had, I've started doing some maybe testing where I'm putting ads on things, not because I want to make any money off of it, but because I want to get us into suggested. And so, so, you know, uh, from, from what I can figure out, if you don't have ads or if your ads have been restricted, then you don't show up in those watch next things. So, you know, so see what I'm saying? So like, I think a lot of this really does come down to kind of the profit motive, as you rightly said, YouTube's profit motive. But if, if, you know, if they start penalizing content and they've already done it for all kinds of reasons, you know, some, some valid, some invalid, you know, if they start doing it for, for disinformation and, and maybe, you know, some, some radicalization sort of stuff, I feel like that could have a much bigger impact and and also be less toxic and and have less of a backlash than kicking people off your platform because the problem is yeah, is that yeah. in my in my opinion I think when you deplatform people the real fear there isn't that you take their voice away is that you more is that you radicalize them permanently and you take people who might have been on the fence and get, take them to another level where you can't ever get them back it's certainly applicable to smaller creators but I think for somebody like uh for Milo, look at Milo Yiannopoulos, who uh, has no social credibility anymore and no money because he can't make, he can't make content online. Deplatforming worked in that case because he was so well known and he used that. Well, well, but but ultimately what really worked wasn't deplatforming because he still has Instagram, he has Facebook, whatever. What ultimately worked with Milo was that the billionaires who were backing him said, you're too toxic and we've been sued too many times and we don't <laughs> want to deal with you because you're embarrassing us. That's what worked. It wasn't getting kicked off of Twitter. He still had, you know, his followers was still getting invites. It was the billionaires who were paying for him who said, you embarrassed us in front of our friends. <laughs> we don't want to deal with you. Like, honestly, what, what what was the fall of Milo wasn't him getting kicked off of Twitter. It was the comments he made on that podcast that got him kicked out of CPAC and then the other stuff. Like, mm. let, 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 let's not, like, conflate how these things work. It, it comes back to your initial point, which is that it's all about money and and that sort of thing. And in this and in Milo's case, it was his the people who were paying for him stopped. Um, I don't yeah, think the it, Mercers you know, in this the, case. yeah, the Mercers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think Alex Jones is a better example because it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to continue to do, you know, and obviously radio airwaves are way different and, and have way like more because they are actually public, you know, things like there, there's way less control over that sort of thing. He has his radio show, but like him losing those access to things, I think is more interesting. And I also think mm. that his content is ultimately more harmful um, in a lot of ways, just because of of all the many theories he espouses and the fact that he was somewhat taken seriously, whereas Milo was always kind of a French figure. But, you know, I, I, I just, I you know, 
I, I don't know how much deplatforming works is what I'm saying. I, I think, feel like sometimes it I understand. Doesn't. I understand your point, Christina. I also want to really clarify my position here. I think as someone running for federal office, uh, I try not to advocate deplatforming personally because I think it's just as someone running for the House of Representatives, it's not a good look. And I don't think yeah. it's appropriate for me personally. That said, um, you know, I, I think we have to get realistic about the fact that certain kinds of this radicalized speech have really detrimental effects on people's lives. I personally had to pay, what, $400 to replace my window when a brick got thrown through it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't want to turn this into like a reliving, you know, the harassment I went through two or three years ago, but this... It's not just speech. It's putting people's lives in danger. And I'm astonished no one was killed during Gamergate, right? No, you're right. I mean, but you also look at like the things where this leads. I mean, and and not even talking about harassment per se, but you look about, you know, the the swatting incident where, you know, over a dollar bet in in whatever the game was where, you know, um, a man was killed. Um, You know, I mean, an actual death happened and swatting has been happening for years, but that's also one of those things that happens within kind of these same cultures and where people think that that sort of thing is okay and lol, it's for the lols, it's funny. No, it's not, you know, and and people people swat people that they disagree with for political reasons, for other reasons. Like, you're right, it can get really serious. I just, you know, but I I feel like at that point, once it goes into the people are throwing bricks through windows and and, or, or are, you know, trying to attack people, that becomes a crime, right? Like, right. And that's why I I personally don't advocate like deplatforming people's federal policy. I yeah. advocate we pay for, I believe, 30,000 FBI agents here in the United States. We need to fund a certain part of the FBI to investigate credible, important, high level like threats online. Absolutely. No, and I think. Those- I think- and take those yeah. crimes to court, those uh, charges to court, and let them have their day in court. Until there are consequences for this kind of behavior, it's just simply going to keep happening. But I, I do, I really feel like in an age of disinformation, I'm not saying YouTube needs to go through and get rid of every Jordan Peterson video. I've read his books, it's trash. I, I understand why the argument is seductive for angry young people, but the answer there is not to like censor him, right? We need to put up better arguments. At the same time, disinformation is a huge problem in this country, and we've got to have an adult conversation about that. I agree. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by PDF Pen. The ultimate tool for editing PDFs from our friends at Smile. Using PDF Pen, you can say goodbye to filing and go completely paperless with scanning and OCR. You can mark up and highlight PDFs. You can search and redact sensitive information. I'm so sorry I made my mic peak. Oh my <laughs> god, I was so excited about redacting. I'm so sorry sensitive information, such as account numbers. You can correct text in PDFs, even without the originals. You can also insert, remove, and reorder pages, move and adjust images, record and playback audio annotations, watermark your PDFs, and if that wasn't enough, you can get even more features with PDF Pen Pro, which allows you to create fillable PDF forms, 
even automatically. Create and edit temples of contents? What is wrong with me today? Tables of contents. That's what they're called, but it'll be a temple in your amazing PDF. You can convert websites into PDFs. You can add and edit document permissions. Pretty much anything you could ever do to a PDF, it will be so functional. It won't be this brick of a file type that you can't do anything with. It'll be a thing that you can do everything with. And a great news for me, a lover of dark mode, and you, other lovers of dark mode, PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro version 10.2 includes support for dark mode on Mojave. Plus, smoother scrolling, faster thumbnail drawing, and increased maximum zoom. Basically, if you deal with PDFs, you need a PDF pen. You can learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That is again, smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Thank you so much, PDF Pen, for your support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Hallelujah. <laughs> the worst thing that has happened since... Our IT department at work became much more formal. Is that we can't update to Mojave yet on our work machine? And you know, I already did. Of course, you I did. had to be reverted. They took what? my laptop away. What? They, did they seriously? Yes. Because, like, okay, okay, I'm just gonna point this out because I work at like Microsoft, which you know might just have slightly more stringent IT policies, or so you would think, probably. Uh, yeah, I updated to Mojave, like, I think I, I was at a conference. I didn't do it over conference Wi-Fi because that's just silly. Uh, but I did it in, like, my hotel room in Orlando. Like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Lucky my, you. Yeah. Um, my my work machine isn't even in tuned half that I, I shouldn't say that publicly. Uh, it's, it's like I have a, the VPN, but, like, some of the stuff, some of the stuff I use isn't even, like, technically, like... <laughs> under some of the IT policy stuff. Yeah, like, that's that's crazy. That sucks. So rude. The dark mode is so good. That is so rude. I'm losing my dark mode. I'm so upset. Well, sorry. you know what they say. When you're upset, you have to eat dessert. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do, folks. Okay. Okay. It's dessert roundtable today. I think we, so much we decided. Um, Brie, are you taking PewDiePie? Uh, you know, I will take any piece of dessert. I actually want to talk about Taylor Swift. We'll start with Taylor Swift. Let's start with Taylor Swift. So, uh, articles came out recently Mm -hmm. discussing how Taylor Swift uses screens, uh, at her concerts to basically scan the faces of everyone who comes in to see if one of her hundreds of stalkers, a horrifying number that I just want to pause on, hundreds of stalkers, um, is in the audience of the concert, a practice mm-hmm. which some have called protecting herself and some have called Orwellian. <laughs> and why I mean, not both? <laughs> I, I was going to say, can we can we have like both for 500, Alex? Because like, I, I feel I feel weird. I always have to defend Taylor Swift on on these things, but uh, I'm creeped out. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, really? well, you know, I'm not creeped out because Ariana Grande, like, I'm sorry, there was a bombing a year and a half ago, you guys, like, right, right. at a massive concert. That was only I, yeah. a year and a half ago? 
Yeah. Oh, God. Um, and I, I know. And and so you kind of think it's like, oh, nothing bad could ever happen. Like Christina Grimmy, way less famous than Taylor Swift, like was murdered in, in a meet and greet. Like th- she has people who break into her house and like get into her bathtub and stuff like she, it's bad, right? Like people who literally want to do terrible things to her all the time. I completely understand why uh, they, 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 they had this honeypot. Um, the one article about it, like, it didn't go into a lot of detail. So I have a lot of questions about what it's actually doing and how bad and creepy this really is, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, how long is data being retained and whatnot? I mean, it's totally legal because once you enter a private property, they can do whatever they want. And it is kind of brilliant to have screens up where, you know, people are staring at me like, oh, rehearsal footage and, like, really, like, your face is being captured. Yeah. But I do have questions about, like, how is it actually working? How long are they keeping things? Who are they working with and whatnot? But that's I don't so know. much I, more interesting to me than just the the base story of, of of Taylor Swift using facial recognition. Although I do think it is juicy and fascinating. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's completely fascinating. But I also feel like it's like you kind of understand. You're like, okay, at you know a major concert venue. There, people died. Like, it was a massive terrorist attack. And yeah. if you think about, like, who's going to be your target? Who's, like, other than Beyonce, like, who's the most famous person <laughs> in the world? It's Taylor Swift. Uh, like, come on, you know? Yep, mm-hmm. Like, yep. the insurance alone would be, you know, would, would probably behoove them to want to do that kind of stuff. I don't know. So this is where I, I, I could be honest. I thought a lot of the critique of Taylor Swift on Twitter that I saw, I thought it was frankly sexist and stupid. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this woman has serious stalkers. Uh, these have been covered in the press. I mean, there are people out there. Uh, yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the reason I know there are creepy people out there with Taylor Swift because I've seen them on YouTube, right? <laughs> like people legitimately obsessed with her. Taylor Swift is not a government entity, though maybe that would be better if she were in charge of the U.S. government. Like, she's not, she's someone employing technology in a reasonable way to keep herself safe at an event where, let's be honest, like you said, Christina, there have been terrorist attacks at these places. So I see, I don't see any first. First Amendment issues. They can deny like access to concerts to anyone they want. They are employing something that's a little smarter than like frisking every single person or like rounding people up. Like they're, they're using technology. It makes sense to me. And I just like, there are all kinds of reasons to be concerned about face ID. This does not seem to be one of them to me. Yeah. I think where it gets, interesting to me is uh, (laughs) some of the issues raised in, I want to say it was the Daily Beast article about the watch list, essentially, that she has and who is on it and how long they're on it and how that's determined. Obviously, she has extremely real stalkers, as Christina said. People go sleep in her bed, which is freaky. And I would definitely, if I were an individual woman contending with hundreds of stalkers, I would probably go to some pretty extreme measures to try to protect myself and also the people who come to see me from those people. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it, it raises more questions, as Christina has said, than than it answers because there's so much to think about. Oh, it's the AC. It was the Refinery Twenty Nine article. So apparently, the ACLU is upset about this. 
um, specifically because of those questions about the watch list and how it's created. Oh, please. And like, quote unquote, slippery slope of watch lists. Okay. I, yeah. I, I love yeah. the ACLU. I give them so much money. Like, I, I give to both the national organization and the Washington State chapter. And actually, I think the New York chapter. Like, I give the ACLU a lot of money. But no, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, she can have whatever watch list she wants. I know that she has like former FBI and like, like, I don't think CIA, but like, you know, law enforcement people like on her, you know, security detail. I'm sorry. Like, she's not a normal person. It and does have to be different. Like, this isn't about like banning someone. It, it, if somebody's on a Taylor Swift watch list and can't go to a Taylor Swift concert, you're basically saying, no, you can't spend money on Taylor Swift. Stop it. Which I don't right. think is a, a an offense. <laughs> no, I, 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 and I and I don't think it's a real civil liberties thing. I exactly, yeah. I'm a huge civil liberties person. It is not a huge civil liberties thing. And, and frankly, it's like, I'm on Taylor Swift Tumblr a lot, and her fans are freaking crazy. Like, okay, case in point, her fans, like diehard fans, people who meet her and like take photos with her and like have as their like, you know, avatar, like their their photo with her and whatnot, track her plane, which has now been delisted, but they keep figuring out how to track it. Wow. Figure out where she is. She has two planes. They've tracked them all. They used to do, like it used to be way easier to do when she was, they, they knew that she was living in London, even though that wasn't public for like, almost a year because they were finding charter jets that were coming back and forth between locations where she would appear in public and then figuring out, oh, this is going to wherever she is. Like, like they're nuts. Like they know everything about where she is. They figure out her addresses. They have like, they, they like cross-reference photos to show like, oh, this is the backdrop that was used here. Like they're, and these are the fans. They're insane, right? So that's not normal. That's no, it's not, not defensible. No, no yeah. it's not. And, and but, but these are the fans, right? Like these are the people who wouldn't want to harm her. So if these are the people who are, are like, wouldn't want to harm her, think about like the level and, and a, and, and, but yet they're putting all this information out there so people yeah. who would want to harm her can find it. Like, if she's got a, a blacklist, it's the really, really crazy people because she takes photos with the ones who track her jets. Like, she might not know inherently that they're doing that or whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, I love you, ACLU, but no. Like, if she yeah. if she has a, a, a watch list or blacklist, like, there's a very good reason for it because they're a freaking... Like, also, it's worth saying, again, not just Ariana Grande and that situation, but Rebecca Schaefer was murdered because someone was able to get access to her public information. Like, that was, like, 30 years ago. But, but you know, people kill celebrities. Like, like Ronald Reagan was shot and James Brady was paralyzed because a dude was obsessed with Jodie Foster in the movie yeah. Taxi Driver. Like, this is not a new phenomenon, right? And it's only gotten worse as people have more access to things. So I, I completely understand why they have lists and why they do everything they can to keep the crazy people away. Like, I I, I, I get it. Like, it's... I just I just think in like a, a pragmatic, um, a pragmatic sense, okay? They've got a list of people. They've got photographs of it. Their goal here is public safety to keep people safe at Taylor Swift concerts. Like, what if they're bringing in explosives or guns or anything like that? Like, what are the options here? I mean, you yeah. can have... Like you can train security people at the door to like look for certain people, which is going to be fallible. And then you're going to have the civil liberty of people that have nothing to do with any of this pulled over to the side, harassed, maybe not be able to get to their concert that they paid a lot of money for, go through a lot of stuff to get like a refund. 
Or you can have something that's going to be more accurate at identifying the people that they've added to the list for good reason and let everyone else be there and be safer and have a better time. This has nothing to do with government or free speech. Like they can let in or out anyone that they want. And I just, I personally, this, this seems like a really smart application of this technology. I, I, if there's a, a privacy argument against it, I would love to know it. I just can't think of it. Yeah, the only only thing I can think would maybe be don't broadcast that it's a honeypot, but maybe have something in really small text somewhere that is like, you yeah, know, even on the ticket or whatever. This is happening. So we, so you have the option to opt out or maybe yeah. choose not to go to the concert. That could be the only thing I could think of. But I feel like it's completely fair to say if you want to attend this concert, this is one of the things you have to give up. Like that to me yeah. is completely yeah. appropriate. That sounds that's like a good o- compromise to me. Like that's the only way that I could kind of be moved because otherwise I'm going to be honest. Like does it does it kind of, is it kind of I understand where where the privacy activists are going, and I'm usually with them, but in this case, like. It's not a hollow threat. You know what I mean? Like th- that—that's the thing. It's like it's like people are acting like this. It's not a real yeah, possibility. It's, it's maybe not the slippery slope that people think it is because there are a bunch of different situations where this t- technology could be dangerous, and this is not quite one of them. Do we want to talk about another dessert? Very quickly. Yes. Which one? Do we want PewDiePie or <laughs> Urizen? I'll talk about PewDiePie or about the PewDiePie. glitter bomb. <laughs> Horizon is just one word. Yeah, Horizon. (laughs) Horizon. Our new show name is Yakit, by the way. (laughs) No, PewDiePie, how freaking hard is it? Like, how many times does someone have to, like, accidentally endorse white supremacists before they they change their, they they make different decisions? What's going on? I don't know, but but you're not wrong. I had that thought too. And part of me just wonders (laughs) if it's like, you're a Nordic dude. Like there are a lot of things about this that that don't look good. Like Felix. Like honestly. Like it's just not. You know what I mean? But like, like please, because I want to root for him because he is entertaining. I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but he's entertaining. Like there's a reason why he's the most popular person on YouTube. Like honestly, he's a talented person. But you just you're like, could you not? Could 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 you not? But but the hacking, I have to. You, you thought this was hilarious, Brie. I did too. This was, I, 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 I shouldn't admit it publicly, but I will. I thought this was very funny. <laughs> I did so, too. I did PewDiePie too. fans uh, hacked the Wall Street Journal, longtime enemy of PewDiePie, popular mm-hmm. popular YouTuber PewDiePie, to post a fake apology letter from the Wall Street Journal by T Series, <laughs> which is the Indian YouTube channel that he's like in a competition with, apologizing for for slandering. PewDiePie and saying they will help him reach 80 million subscribers before T-Series does. And that they fired the journalist who said <laughs> bad things about PewDiePie. It's so good. I mean, it was so poorly written and and the whole thing was just like, it, but it was also like the, the chicken dinner thing. Like the, the memeing was really good. And they apparently like hacked, like I guess like the ad server that served like sponsored content. It's not associated with like the Wall Street Journal CMS. And uh, nobody seems to have taken responsibility for it or whatever. Um, I, I sh- like you, Brie, I shouldn't be laughing about this because I actually, you know, um, know someone who, who did jail time because uh, he allegedly leaked uh, login information in IRC that someone then briefly defaced uh, a news organization's website. So these things can have consequences, which to me is kind of like the the most potentially hilarious thing is I would like to see kind of like, you know, 
explain what did you mean when you said the winner the chicken dinner in Fortnite? Yeah. tell that's the court. what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm saying like 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 if like if dow jones really wants to go all out on this like that would actually be like really funny to have to see the brief um i i would really love to read the the complaint that would have to explain what all the things were um yeah uh you know to the court well what what did this mean and and what was this and, and people like no 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 it's a Fortnite thing we, we it, it's a joke we didn't really want to get anybody's credit card information oh well we think you did so we're charging you with this who knows uh, you know um, but yeah i mean it was uh, christmas well played, comes early well, well, yeah well played well played hackers but also but can uh, i ask a point of order about this before yes. we move on from this this is what i didn't understand about this so I get the news alert on my phone. Wall Street Journal has been hacked. Like it's an Apple news. And I'm expecting to go to the Wall Street Journal front page and like see their CMS and like top story of my subscription. It's like PewDiePie, blah, blah, blah. But this isn't quite what happened. It was Mm -mm. a partner site. So they, they ran an ad through Wall Street Journal or someone with a third-party relationship with Wall Street Journal? No. Yeah. So Wall Street Journal has its own sponsored content thing that's right. part of its advertising division. And so I guess that was like, if you visited wallstreetjournal.com, it might have had like a, a, a sponsored article like thing at the top of the page, like an inserted thing. And I guess they probably used an exploit to attack that server and alter that content. And then that in turn was served on the main Wall Street Journal website. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's technically hacking. It's just not what I was led to believe. I was no, disappointed. It, it, no, they, they, didn't, they didn't get the I'm CMS. So but sorry, still, Bree. But, but, but they still got, <laughs> but dude, they still got on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. You know what I mean? Fair, like, it, it, they, they, they didn't break into the CMS and they didn't change headlines, but they still got, you know, like the ads displayed. Like, they, they, they got into to, to that part of it. So, I mean, they did do something. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, sh- I have to say though the whole like T series versus PewDiePie thing, it, I don't care because I, I I really have no dog in that fight at all. But it is interesting to see how like the the the, the preteen males on the internet are so obsessed with like keeping a a, a really rich dude number one. <laughs> like it's just it's interesting. It's symbolic, yep. Christina. We have to keep the white men on top. They understand that intrinsically on a deep emotional level. I feel like we've gone Stay so long. Stay tuned for we my talk? TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm done. Do no, I feel like we've gone so long. Can we talk about the Carlton dance? Like, just do it really yeah, quickly. We have to. Yeah. 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 Oh, my okay. God. I Super love this. Quickly. This is my favorite Super thing. Super quickly. So, basically, uh, if you're a child in the 90s and 80s, like I am, uh, there was a show on called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and there was a character named Carlton, and he is now suing Fortnite for stealing his Carlton dance, <laughs> which is hilarious dance. Uh, it's so over the top. So, I, I want to know, Christina, Simone, are you Team Carlton? Or are you team epic? <laughs> oh, team Carlton, always. Yeah, yeah. I feel like epic. Really, I mean, it's they've it's done this to a lot of people. They 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 took they appropriated a lot of dances that that people of color made up, and there's also but then it's also so complicated because you you there's no way that they're gonna win because you can't copyright a dance move. Right. Well, we well we don't know, right? I mean, that's what they're kind of trying to do. I mean, there are a number of these lawsuits now, and and I mean, I think you know, and the thing, the interesting thing here is is that Alfonso Ribeiro, like 
he he is a dancer. Like the funny thing is, is that he you know played this nerd on Fresh Prince. Yeah, but he was the he was the cool kid on Silver Spoons, and like he's been a dancer like his whole life. I did like, not he know has that. Rhythm. Yeah, I mean he won Dancing with the Stars if I'm remembering correctly. Like he he has serious moves, right? Like he's always been a dancer, and so he like came up with this thing and. I kind of understand where he's coming from when they're like, you're making a lot of money off of my thing. Um, Donald Faison is mad that they like, they took one of the scrubs, like one of his scrub stances too. Yeah. Like they, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if they'll win or not, but at the very least, I mean, here's what, honestly, here's what Epic should do. They should just settle. They yeah. should, they should pay people, maybe give them a percentage of, you know, some of the the things and whatnot. And then in the future, when you do this, when you rip people off, especially people of color, Give them a little something, you know, yeah. like you're making so much money off this game. It's really it's going to be like a rounding error. Yeah, just just, just do the right thing. They could know? turn it into a positive because they could. it could be like, oh, and now this week on Fortnite, it's, you know, Katy Perry's dance move. Well, right? that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And honestly, like if they settled with him, they could probably get him in the game, like which would be even like better. That's a you win, know what I mean? Uh, like they could do a lot of stuff with this, but but I I totally I don't I don't know if we'll win or not, but it's it's uh I'm Team Carlton all the way, uh, and and you like I said, be. like yeah, and and I mean like and he's he's right, like he created this thing, like I, I I get why he's frustrated. I mean I'd be mad if something that I made was now making somebody else a ton of money, and they weren't even like acknowledging. Oh, sorry, dude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just yeah. What about you, Simone? Are you Team Carlton? Team Carlton. Okay. Also, I'm watching him do the Carlton on Dancing with the Stars right now, and it's great. It's so cute. It's it's a joy and a joyless time. So good answer. All right, I think that's our final dessert of the night. I will encourage people to watch this uh, video on YouTube about the guy who makes a fake package with a glitter bomb to surprise package thieves. It's very funny. <laughs> um, it is really good. That's a great video. So, what are you doing this week, Christina? So uh, I'm preparing to get on an airplane again. Uh, uh, wow! Last trip of the year. I'm going. I'm going to uh, going to visit my parents for Christmas. So that's that's. Oh. The, so I'm going to Atlanta. Um, last last flight of of 2018. Um, <laughs> oh, congratulations! Uh, yeah, I'm tired of airports. That's okay. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but um, after that, I actually like uh, my uh, my bosses are super cool. I have like the twenty first through like the second off, so no work for me. So I'm super stoked about that. That's extremely oh, also, great. Also, I I did. Um, it'll be in Atlanta by the time I get there. But I got my mom the the gold MacBook Air, and I won't be able to do like a full like several days of it on my own review, but I will be able to come back with my impressions of, uh, of the MacBook Air, um, you know, as I, as I set it up and use it. And, and I might even use it to record Rocket um, next week um, while I'm in Atlanta. So uh, oh my God. G- g- give it give it that test. Because if you guys remember correctly, like we did, my mom was a former, for guest, former guest host, Mary Warren. Uh, we st- she still has the, the, all the stuff that we sent her. So uh, oh. I have a podcasting set up you know, waiting for me in Atlanta, which is great. That's that's so convenient. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Oh God. I went to 15 Christmas parties last (laughs) week. And I have more to go to this week. The problem, Mm -hmm. this is, this is why I didn't understand 
and this was a terrible mistake on my part, uh, when you hire a professional congressional team to get you elected, people that have done mm-hmm. this successfully, um, part of the problem is they know how to do it successfully and they destroy your 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 life. They make so. you leave the house. Makes sense. Yes. Oh, it's so much worse than oh, that. And, oh, so my then, God. And, yeah. and you're in Boston. You're like in deep Catholic country. Like You have so many Christmas parties. Oh, God. I've gone to so much church and will continue going to church, which uh, yeah, I love. No, I love no, church. No, totally. I oh, love of course. Lord. You love, you, 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 love, you love Lord. church. You're, you're, are, 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 what, what mass are you going to Christmas Eve? Are you going to early or late? <laughs> I'll probably end up going to both. Um, you go to church like evening, morning, late, and then you go the fish fries in between. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. I got <laughs> more. I have a lot of parties to go to tomorrow. Fantastic. And I've got a uh, union protest to go to tomorrow, and I'm just going to keep getting it done. I'm going to f- win this time. You can put a timestamp in there because I dropped enough bomb. Putting it right in. I, am I love gonna it. F- win. You're going to f- this time. That's right. Bree's That's gonna, right. When that should be the the episode title, Simone. <laughs> it will be something like that. <laughs> uh, what am I doing this week? Um, typing in f bombs in our show notes. Yep, and putting Bree's name next to them so that everyone knows it's her fault. Um, what? I've never cursed. On never. The show, she's never ever. done it. Never. Not even ever. Two hundred six episodes that she's never cursed. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm going home to Washington on Friday, oh. and I'm so excited. I'm going. How long sleep. will you be here? Uh, I'm going to be there till the 29th. I'm going to make my mom feed me. I'm going to lie on the couch for hours. I can't. Sorry, my, um, this is these are my exciting plans. No, that's awesome. I I just it sucks because I'm coming back on the 28th, so we won't overlap. But, oh no. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I guess that. That is the rule Christmas that we can never ruined. be in the same state. Christmas is ruined. Well, actually, no, I get back the night of the or the afternoon of the 28th. I don't know. Maybe we could hang out that night. I don't know. I don't know what time I will on the 29th. not be in Seattle. I will be in Port Townsend. Well, how far away is that? Like two or three hours. Oh, well, then, yeah, sorry. I'm I sorry. I love you, but no. no that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. If, 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 if we'd overlap more, I would have, like, found a way to get there. Yeah, too, if, but, we, yeah. if we overlap more, it would make sense. I am so, when it comes to my, like, home time with my mom like all of my friends might be in seattle but poor townsend is no, where I my mom it. lives i'm not leaving you got, you got, no gotta be with moms you know get, get that food sit on that couch watch that tv do it i mean that's part of the reason i'm going home um even Absolutely. if i have to be in atlanta i respect it that sounds so good yep <laughs> um so that's us brianna where can we find you online <laughs> You can support my run for Congress this time by going to supportbrianna.com. And there's a very cheery young man on my team. His name is Grant. And right now he's sitting there with a tear in his eye, hoping that you will donate to our congressional campaign because he is our finance person. So he has a tear in his other eye, hoping that Bree doesn't drop any more F-bombs on Rocket. That's true. He actually Mm. tells me to delete a lot of my tweets. Um, Anyway, so you can find me there. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at at Brianna Wu. Christina, what about you? Uh, you can find me at, at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Oh, and we didn't have a chance to mention this. And I'm sorry we were mentioning this so late, but we saw this amazing tweet from someone. Um, oh, yeah. it, I guess like, like a couple weeks ago oh, about yeah, how. Me... Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, you find that because I just wanted to mention that because this was really great. If you can find that tweet, Simone, um, I want to give a give this listener um, props. 
Jonathan T. Miles on Twitter. Yeah, Jonathan T. Miles, who um, uh, an ad read, ironically not read by uh, uh, Simone, um, and in an episode of Rocket, like had kind of had a profound impact on on what he's decided to do with his life. And Jonathan, like, congrats on on all the changes you're making, and good luck with everything in the future. And thank you for listening to Rocket. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Like. I love that. I, I had I had drinks with uh, with a listener when I was in um, Finland, which was awesome. Um, uh, rocket rules do apply, which means that you don't even have to wear a shirt. Like if you see us in one of your cities, we will buy you a drink, and um, and we have the best listeners. So yeah, we at film underscore girl on on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but but um, thank you um, guys for uh, for thank you Jeff again for filling in for me while I was gone the last two weeks. Um, and uh, love you all. Yeah. And uh, I should say the uh what Jonathan Miles did was uh did the Lambda School iOS development tech boot camp and that has transformed Jonathan's life, which is super cool. I'm extremely I I I was so I haven't logged into Twitter in like 3 weeks. I was going back through my mentions being like ah and then I saw this and I was like shoot. I'm so sorry that I so missed cool. this and we have to mention this on on the show because that is such a cool thing. And I'm so glad to know that somebody like really got something out of this show and out of our sponsors also. But yeah, th- thank you so much for listening. And I'm sorry that I didn't see your tweet for ages and ages. We're bad people. We are. <laughs> terrible. Stop listening to us. Okay. You can find and, me but, but people, but, but, yes. at youtube.com slash polygon and on Twitter at Doom Quasar. Although, as I just said, I'm on a ban. I'm not logging in. Um, so guess what? Sorry, you should listen to the show called Rocket, um, where every week I and my co-hosts, Christina Warren and Brianna Wu, talk about the latest news in tech. Uh, that's where you can find me. It's on the Relay FM network. Um, give it a shot. And hey, if you do, go ahead and review it on Apple Podcasts. That's cool of you. All right, everybody, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.